You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad, when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. Chris, we, we went and saw uh, a movie that culminated, what, over almost 20 years of... Yes. <laughs> I was so glad that they laid the seeds that way when the childhood actor grew up. It was like, oh, <laughs> this is spot on. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Talk about patience. So we went and saw Glass. We saw Glass, which is very much a comic book movie. And, uh, in, you know, we're, we're talking about it. it is the third movie in the Unbreakable trilogy, if you want to call it that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So Unbreakable was in 2000. Uh, Split came out, I want to say 2017? Something like that. Yeah. And uh, no one knew that that was a sequel to Unbreakable until the very end of the movie. Hey, which like, was wait a, a second. Was, <laughs> that was the big twist, which was pretty awesome. Why is spoilers okay, everybody? Spoilers, well, spoilers for every movie. We're not, we're not, we're not spoiling Glass yet. <laughs> oh, for Split, spoilers for Split. For yeah. Split. But yeah, you're watching the movie and you're like, all right, this is interesting. All of a sudden, is that Bruce Willis? Why is he in a green poncho again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, we went and saw Glass. I think we'll, we'll get into that. We're, it's going to be the topic of our, our discussion. Not glass so much, but indie comics. Yeah, one of the things we'll talk about. Yeah, because uh, we definitely spend a lot more time on this podcast talking about the big two. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm i not speaking for you, but for myself, those are the, the those are the two companies I read. I don't tend to read too many of the indie stuff. There are a few titles that I do read, but... Uh, I, I just stick to the big two. Well, you know, I, I found myself like the big two obviously drive us to Charleston. I mean, superheroes, colorful costumes, capes, the whole thing. That brings us in. Yeah. But something I learned as we were looking at our stuff there, the the, the continuation of publication is massive. Because yeah. while I love independent stuff, I do love knowing that I will start a story and finish a story. Exactly. Unless it's <laughs> written by Kevin Smith in one of the two big universes. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin. Kevin has. I want my Daredevil target. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Didn't I don't do care. A, I want it anyways. Didn't just, he do a Nightwing story too? No, he did a Batman. Um, so he played with the characters. Like he did. He he started off. I think it was Widening Garden. Garden. Uh, something like that. But anyways, he he did it. It was it was it, he did the first one. People really loved it. So he decided to expand it to make a trilogy. He gave us the second one, and the second one leaves on a horrible cliffhanger because it's onomatopoeia. Right. Cool villain. Mm-hmm. and One that he created for Green Arrow. Yeah. and you Which know, he did finish. He did finish yes, his he run did. Green Thank Arrow. God. Like, Thank God. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Arrow. No, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So luckily, he, he did us that solid. He finished that. Um, and... Yeah, like, and I'll admit, like, I was kind of like, eh, you know, like, I just, I didn't care for, the covers didn't sell me. 
Um, then when I finally did, I, I bought the two trades and I read, I was like, this is amazing. And it just leaves you on this cliffhanger. Like Batman's girl gets killed right in front of him in the Batcave. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I've read about that one. Uh, I haven't, I haven't read it uh, because. Don't. <laughs> I mean, well, no offense. Like, and, you know. and, and I know the exact reason why. And you, you already spoke about it. It's the, the art. It's Walt Finnegan's art. Yeah. Like, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't look good to me. It's Walt. Walt is his friend well, from you, Comic Book Men. But you know what, though? I will say this. If you're basing it off the covers. I think they had a cover artist. No, I think that I seen the the art on the. Okay, inside. you seen the interiors, yeah, like the you know, widening guy. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind it. No. There you go, the widening guard guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind it. Like, because I know that's where that meme with the Joker with a beard. Yeah, like the white hair, green or the white skin, the green hair, but then a black beard, and that's where that meme comes from. It's like, oh, okay. So I mean, I didn't mind it. It's, I, I mean, I've seen worse from right. official. Oh yeah, but I just, I, oh, I got that cliffhanger, man. That, freaking cliffhanger that sucks because uh, i think they did a sim it was uh it was a similar storyline to whitening guy or either in one of the cw shows or gotham and i can't remember one because i went to go i went to go read it it was silver st cloud that he killed yes right yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah i think it might have been because okay we, where have we seen onomatopoeia on arrow right no he hasn't showed up in either show seen yet him in either it's, wow because and they, they've talked about it like they've they've said like it would be a very difficult character to do in real life and on air because the whole that makes sense. he doesn't talk. It's just you know the sound effects. Sound effects. Yeah, exactly. They kind of did it with a kid on Gotham. Like there's a kid that doesn't really talk, and the penguin takes him underneath his wing, and uh, like Victor Zaz kind of like shows him how to how to kill people, but like they never come right out and say that this is going. He's going to grow up to be on Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, no, but I do remember you, or not you, or maybe we, maybe we did, but yeah, I do remember that. That's right. They kind of did adapt it, mm-hmm. you know. I, just, I can't remember which show it was, but. Well, I hope they finished it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what I think it was? I think it was uh, it was Nightwing Human Target, and I was thinking that had something to do with Kevin Smith because of Daredevil Target. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no. The Mitch makes sense. Just yeah, got so luckily, in my head. The Nightwing Target is a one issue. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. One it's supposed done. to be one issue. And then Daredevil, who knows? <laughs> but you know what's funny? So, I mean, Nightwing's one of the characters that I watch and I don't have that in my collection and I don't know if I'm ever going to get it. It is flipping expensive. Really? Yeah. And it's, it's just like, like an original graphic novel, just, you know, like, right. like an annual, you know, and it's like, but it is, it's up there and I'm like, God, you know, so I used to watch for it and mm-hmm. like one of these days, one of these days, but nothing, day hasn't come yet. That's incredible. Yeah. It's uh, surprising that that blew up. <laughs> who was, it? I mean, it reminds me of, um, was it, Devin Grayson art? Um, Is that right? No. No. I want to say Andy Hester, I think, is the artist on that one. But it's not. Chuck Dixon wrote it. Chuck Dixon, okay. And... And this wasn't part of the regular run. This was just a separate... Yeah, this was his own thing. Like, just kind of like... Like, almost kind of... Okay, remember when they did that um, uh, Justice League... JLA, JSA, that, that, that Thanksgiving one, mm-hmm. kind of something like that. Virtue and Vice, mm-hmm. something to that effect. So, yeah. And so let's see if I can get some proper information. Here we go. Uh, Scott McDaniel, and he was, you know, one of the, actually he was the artist. Uh, and Chuck Dixon was the writer when they were on Nightwing. Yeah, okay. As I say, the art looks very familiar. And yeah, the continuity. Like Chuck Dixon uses him a lot in his, in his writing, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and get to the, the spinner rack for this week. Okay. So if you're going to your local comic shop, 
Be prepared. Here we go. Coming out to you from DC Comics. Now, this is a big one. I kind of was on the fence, but I don't think I'm going to get it. But I'm going to toss it out there for you guys. Flashpoint. Very universe-changing story. So we are getting an absolute edition of Flashpoint. Uh, it has a $75 price point, so I would shop around for it. Um, great story to have because of what it does. But So wait, an absolute edition. Is that going to, I mean, I assume that's going to include the, the main Flashpoint title, but are we going to be getting all of the uh, supplementary titles? So the way to look at it this way. Omnibuses do that, okay, because that'll have everything. Yeah, like, like, okay, you you just got the one million, right? So that'll have the four issue one million series, and then all the other one million tie-ins from the DC universe. Okay, so that's how those work. Absolute editions, they're pretty much just like, like they try to pick self-contained stories. So like they did the Killing Joke, so mm. we know that's a one issue graphic novel type thing. They did an absolute of that. Um, I think I have the Identity absolute. Crisis. Yeah, I yeah. think you have Identity yeah. Crisis. Yeah. Okay. So that was one, but they didn't include like the JSA autopsy issue or the JLA Crisis and Conscience sort of kind that of sequel. That would have been an omnibus. Yeah, so that's okay. what they'd have to put there. So looking at this one, it for sure solicits that it has the five issue miniseries, but that's it. See, because I think. I mean, obviously, I would say get get. I mean, if you were into Flashpoint, definitely get that absolute because it, it was a good story and contained in itself. Right. And most of the side stories, I would say, is not great. But the one that I would say fans really care about is the uh, Batman Flashpoint, like because that yes. introduced you to Thomas Wayne Batman and Martha Wayne Joker. Like everybody is all about those three characters yeah that one definitely seemed to be like out of all the minis because they pumped out a lot of minis they did they really did and because yeah. i remember the green arrow from that that storyline i was like this is crap yeah. i did not like that um uh the the nightwing from that was i thought it was interesting because he was the well, that was nightwing and dead man so that was kind of cool yeah and they were in europe and they were traveling around yeah um I don't know if they had an actual Shazam book, but I know Shazam shows up in Flashpoint where you you see all the kids come together to make Shazam. Yeah, they did Shazam as an acronym S yeah. or exclamation point and so on. Right, yeah. and then um, was it Wonder Woman and yeah, Arthur had, were going to be coming together as, to marry each other? Well, they were going to marry each other because they were going to unite the Amazonians and the Atlanteans, but then there was treachery and it resulted in the beheading of Mera. Right. So then that created the massive war, which is why the Flashpoint world sucks. <laughs> Aquaman and Wonder Woman had a bad date. <laughs> the Amazons and the Atlanteans are are warring on Earth, you know. So everybody's got to be on everybody's one side. Pay the, the other. price. Yep. <laughs> Which would be funny because it's like, okay, Thymascara is an island surrounded by water. I'm sorry, but why does Europe and America and the the Americas and Australia? Why does everybody got to pay the price? You could have just kept it right there on Amazon, <laughs> but no. So I think that was just Aqua, Aqua Dick. That's what he was in that world. <laughs> Such a jerk. I'm glad he's got that scar in his face. <laughs> that, there you go. You know, but it was funny going back to those though real quick. So I did a reread recently and because like I had this whole theory about, so Booster Gold, for example, like when we got the new 52, we actually have two Booster Golds. Mm -hmm. um, the post-crisis Booster Gold, which is the only one that exists because that was what you had because he was never a pre-crisis character. Mm -hmm. So his existence, he survived. So he's the father of Rip Hunter, the Bwahaha, Justice League International, all that fun stuff. So he makes it, and then during Convergence, he's the one who becomes um, Wave Rider. Right. 
And then we had the new 52 version of Booster Gold, and he's kind of the more wackadoodle, very, you know, green, inexperienced, and all that stuff. And I'd say he's the one that's in the Tom King um, Heroes in Yeah, Heroes in Crisis with the PTSD and all that fun stuff. But they never really revisit that. So, and then especially now with them finally having blue and gold reunited, it's kind of like, okay, I guess we're back to just the one. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting, like, because I like that idea of Booster becoming Wave Rider because, I mean, I get it. I, I know who Wave Rider was. I loved Armageddon 2001. Right. I know a lot of people don't care for that one. <laughs> um, if you ever do read it for some strange reason, and this is how you could sell it as a trade. So you do Armageddon 2001, issue one. Then you do the two Justice League annuals. And then you do Armageddon 2001 uh, Part 2, which then leads into the Armageddon uh, Inferno miniseries four-parter. And that'd be a nice Captain Atom, Monarch, Hawk and Dove trade and all that stuff. And it's funny because I know a lot of people get really burned by that one. And I see it because when you read it, all the evidence does point to Captain Atom being Monarch. And that was the original thing. Right. And, you know, they, they even had a Hawk and Dove annual and Wave Rider cleared them. He's like, oh, these guys couldn't be the bad guys, so it can't be them. But Superman and Batman got multiple futures. Yeah. So why can't everybody else have multiple futures? Makes you sense. know, so, I mean, you know, obviously comic saves itself and it is a letdown, but yeah. So but, but that's how I would do it. So collected editions, this is how you make it an eight issue trade. You can sell a little bit, you call it minibus or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> All right, but anyway, so yeah, so absolute flashpoint. I mean, it's it's definitely a huge story in the DC universe. Absolute editions are very beautiful, bigger, um, bigger pages, fine quality paper, hardcover, slip cases, all the fine stuff. So, not too bad for your buck. But I think again, I also have a an absolute edition for Kingdom Come. <coughs> Ooh, that's a good one to have. Yeah. That Pretty one's sure very, very good. I'm torn. So I, I know I went, I had to buy it on the secondary market. So I'm like, oh, that killed. But um, right now they're finally collecting his Earth X stuff. Oh, really? Yep. Earth X, Universe X, and Paradise X. The whole thing. The whole thing. Two omnibuses. Like 150 each. So if you shop around, there's places where you can get them half off. <laughs> so I'm, I'm almost tempted to take that bite because mm. I'm not going to lie. I got into Earth X because, dude, all right, you remember Wizard Magazine? Mm-hmm. I remember when they did that poster, Earth X versus Kingdom Come? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, to see Kingdom Come Superman staring off against Earth X Cap and, you know, and and Dr. Richards' doom and, and, and oh. Alex Ross's Earth man. X Cap always kind of freaked me out with the, <laughs> the flag wrapped around him and wrinkly old skin. And it's just like. Battered face. He looks weird. <laughs> he looks a little too weird. He looks like a. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Oh, you know what he looks like? He looks like a, a pale, like a pink version of the. Do you remember the, um, the Toxic Avenger? No, the <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie when Zordon, like the his little casing broke and he was like on the ground. <laughs> he's just all wrinkly and stuff. So that's what it kind of looked like. So there we go. Now we have a live action Earth X <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> We're gonna be splitting and editing and making our own trailer here pretty soon. <laughs> All right, all right, so moving on. Um, Aquaman issue 44 is out. That'll continue on the new momoification of Aquaman. Uh, I've been hearing good stuff, so it might be worth jumping on that train. You know what kind of pissed me off? Uh, like, trust me, I think Justice League was a terrible movie, but like, they go, like, articles have been written lately saying, like, um, 
it was James Wan, Zack Snyder, and Jason Momoa that when they made Aquaman, they they're correcting the super bro that just Joss Whedon created in Justice League. Oh god! And I'm like, come on, like the that stuff. You know that's what Zack Snyder was already going for in Justice League. You can't just blame it all on Joss Whedon because he but, got thrown in there. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not gonna like. Maybe this is my ignorance, but I didn't see that much of a difference in character. No, no, like, no I mean, no. he's still like Jason Momoa was Jason Momoa playing Aquaman. Exactly. I did not see a change, and I'm not saying this in a mean way. I'm glad that he kept continuity of the character he established. So yeah, if there's a course correction, it's like what? Come on. What do they call them? Zack Snyder bronies or something? <laughs> that makes sense. You know, and I mean, I appreciate it. I, I, I can appreciate because like, it's funny that you talk about that. All the articles that have been out <clears throat> now, they're saying a lot more of like Warner Brothers is learning. Like we have a new president in charge of films and he's like, okay, we're not going to, we understand we can't do what Marvel's doing. We got to do it our way, which is smart. You know, you can see a model. You don't have to necessarily copy it. But so anyway, so it's like, yeah, we're, we're not going to force a universe. We're going to just put movies out there with characters. And if they link up, they link up. Great. It's like, well, exactly. That's what you do. Yeah. Marvel didn't even do that. It's not like, you know, I mean, they'd have like a two minute bit that was like, oh, this is what helps connect it. Or maybe a character at travel. You can do that, you know? And like I said, for me, day one, I would have done just like DC should have started with Justice League. In my opinion, that's what they should have started with. And you could have farmed out because if you even think about this, the Justice League, their first appearance, Brave and the Bold number 38, it was not an origin story. The team's already established. Mm-hmm. They go out there and kick butt. They fight off Starro. <laughs> they beat him with lime for, for, gla- for grass. And then that's it. Could have just done that. Could have had a team. That would have been fine. You know, yeah. To, I mean, that's what I was like. They're like, oh, we don't want to follow Marvel. It's like, you don't need to follow Marvel. Follow yourselves. Yeah. You guys started this off. You got this, you know, you have this, the, the, the blueprint right universe there. universe that works. It's you like all this. you had to do was just make a good movie, and they just didn't do that. And it, it, fine, you want to start off with the team the team movie first? No problem. You you get people excited about these characters that you could have brought in from comic books, and then like just, hey, you want to know more? Go watch their movie. People would have been enticed to do that. But no, yep. you fucked it up. So I, 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 uh, I'll sit here. I, I have no idea why Aquaman has done fucking over a billion dollars we already talked about it last or two weeks ago but it's just it baffles me so well because you know what people are excited about movies like the the casual moviegoer isn't going to know the difference between a marvel and a dc Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm not saying that they're that ignorant i mean they'll probably catch on but the thing is like a lot of movies are gonna do like one like hellboy Mm -hmm. so they're gonna make a new one right yep that's gonna go to movie theaters yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's gonna do great well, see, and nobody's going to know who Hellboy is. They're going to remember maybe the movies or whatnot. Yep. And as long as they don't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle themselves like they did, you know, like how that franchise did, they should be okay. If it stays and looks the same, it'll pick up. You know, so I mean, the movies are just going to build fantastically off themselves. It's, it's like when comics, when comics are doing great, you know, like when you had Infinite Crisis and Secret War going on, comics were selling because mm-hmm. both were putting out great stuff. That's what movies got to do, but that's what Warner Brothers has to do. He's got to <laughs> learn, like, okay, let's just let's make a good film, put heart into it, put character into yeah, it, yeah, and just just follow some of the stories that's already established. It's it's just it 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 it's crazy, and you're right. Like most uh, moviegoers aren't gonna. And that, that's the thing, is that I under I, the reason why I, I can understand that it makes a billion dollars is because people have to pay uh, upwards to almost twenty dollars yeah. to go see a movie in a theater. What are you gonna? You want to go see the the movie that's just you know the 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 guy who uh, um, has a dog 
and walks around and nothing really happens, but he learns a lesson? Or do you want to watch the thing with a whole bunch of explosions that goes to different parts of the world and, uh, you know, kisses the girl in the end? Like, yeah. Are you going to go see the big screen cinema or are you going to watch the indie film that's out there? You're going to pick the big screen cinema because you're going to you need money, that. The buck for your, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the amount of money for your buck. But yeah, you need their surround sound. But, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I love to, I, I'll go watch the, the, the movie about the guy with the dog and he learns a lesson, but I know what I'm writing this weekend. But, but people, uh, you know, can watch those at home too. And they're not going to lose, they're not, they don't need the big theater experience yeah, for that. They all that spectacle for what they're seeing. Yeah. So, all yeah. right. That's my little bit right. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, Aquaman 44 is out there. So we go with it. Uh, Batman 63 will be out this time. Tom King has Batman teaming up with, um, John Constantine. So that'll be interesting to see how King handles John. Um, lately, I know the issues have been kind of a little bit headspacey, so it's going to be interesting. I think John, uh, Tom King's really building up to something. Uh, let's see here. We will have Dark Knight's Metal will be getting the trade paperback style. So if you didn't want the hardcover or if you've been waiting for it, the wait is finally over. Here it comes. Freedom Fighters issue 2 of 12 will be out. So this kind of goes back to the whole Earth X. So DC Comics actually created Earth X. And on Earth X, we had the, uh, I don't want to, they're, they're not the Charlton comics. I forget what their company was. But anyways. Is that Earth X was the Nazi or? Well, yeah, it was. Okay. So they, they took those characters from the Golden Age. So oh, Uncle Sam, Fighters? Plastic Man, uh, Phantom Lady, uh, and several others. And they had them living on Earth X where, yeah, exactly. The Nazi, uh, Nazi army won and they were the last part of the resistance. So this one is basically kind of following in that vein, taking those characters, uh, Doll Man, that's another one, and having them try to save their Earth. You know, it's been 50 years with Nazi America, so now it's time for these characters to go after it. Uh, Black Condor and Human Bomb were some of the other ones to round Isn't up. Isn't there an Iron something? Um, Iron Monroe, maybe? Iron, yeah, Iron Monroe. Yeah, I think so. And Uncle Sam, I don't know if I mentioned him or not, but I yeah. think he did. So, yeah, that was crazy. Um, those issues, like, like going back to the Silver Age, those issues, those were crazy because they were some of like the first comics to actually reshow the Nazi symbol. So a lot of mm -hmm. people were like, don't be putting that shit out there. You know? <laughs> so interesting stuff. So anyways, this is going to be a miniseries, uh, maybe worthwhile. I'm not too sure. I'm kind of sitting on it, but it's out there for you. Justice League issue 16 will be out there. So now we're going to have a lot of stuff coming up. Um, do yourself a favor, follow Scott Snyder on Twitter. He's going to give you a lot of hints about some of the stuff and some of the reading order for the books. So there's going to be kind of a nice um, Martian Manhunter arc coming up with Martian Manhunter and Lex Luthor going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. So this won't be the issue. This one kind of feels like a um, like a one-and-done. So this is that like basketball, baseball issue where they kind of hang out, but they'll, they're the Justice League, so they, they stop crazy crimes and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant, Volume 2, will be out there. So there's been a lot of hype about Lobo. He is going to appear on... Krypton. Uh, Krypton Season 2. So if you are more interested about this character... I definitely recommend getting volume one and two of these trades because that's going to be the main man the way he was intended to be. Uh, this week, we also have Naomi number one coming out. So this is part of Brian Michael Bendis's um, Wonder World. Comics. Yeah, Wonder Comics. So Naomi is a superpowered young girl who knows something. <laughs> That sounds familiar. <laughs> so I don't know what she knows or how she knows it, but Superman and Mongol crash into her small town, and then all of a sudden, now she's just going to have some stuff going on. So, I mean, not to downgrade it. I mean, it's it definitely it's, it's going to be a surprise hit, I'm sure. Um, so this is where it begins. This is, what, the second book out of the, out of the uh, Wonder Comics world. So it definitely would be worth checking out. 
Um, let's see. Nightwing, the Rebirth Deluxe Edition Volume 3 will be out there. You know, I plug this and I love the character, but wholeheartedly, I don't think I could recommend this volume because I think this is kind of that that's that that slump we were talking about where the book was going on it right before mm. the Rick Grayson stuff. Mm. Very good art and very beautiful stuff, but it just, I don't know, there was no real bite to those stories, so that's going to be a tough one. But it's okay because there's going to be something to wash your palate out with. Shazam! Issue 2! Mm-hmm. I know you've said the art. I, 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 I'm i so just excited about the positivity of the book. And I mean, I love Dale Eagles' him. I think he's got some great stuff, so um, I'm very interested to see this. Now, what's going to be very exciting, though, is we will actually have a variant cover by Chris Samney. So if Dale Eagles' him couldn't do the book... <laughs> And I'm trying to appeal to Mitch. I would suggest uh, Chris Samney as artist. I think he's got a great. It's kind of a cartoony style. Okay. Uh, he did a run on Daredevil, and then himself and Mark Wade they moved over to Black Widow uh, and Captain America. And I just I think it's it's beautiful stuff. So that would be a very good place for him to go with that with that book. Um, and Teen Titans will be celebrating their 26th issue as well. So that's what you've got coming out of there. Uh, let's see, moving along, not too much. I'm scrolling through, checking some of the, uh, the, um, independent books. I'm not really seeing much of much there. So, I mean, definitely if you want your Saturday morning cartoon fix, pick up an IDEW book. I feel like that's where all our lost toys and Saturday morning cartoons go. Um, Oliver issue one will be coming out of image comics lately. It it feels like they've been on a big promotion to just drive out a bunch of original content. And so we've been seeing a lot of one issue, our brand new stories coming out. So this will be a reimagining of Charles Dickens' famous story. So if you liked Oliver Twist, then pick up Oliver, which starts this week from Image Comics. Moving along to uh, Marvel Comics, we will have Avengers issue 13 out. So um, keep an eye out on Jason Aaron comics from Marvel because Jason Aaron's going to be helming up the next big uh, crossover um, War of Realms, which I'm not going to lie, it looks good, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm burnt out. I can't spend all this money yeah. on all these books yeah. and then just to see nothing happen. Like Daredevil's going to be a big part of this crossover. He's going to have the sword of Hemondal, so he's going to have the vision and, oh. and able to teleport people and stuff like that. Before but, you said that, I was like, why would Daredevil have anything to do with Asgardians or Heimdall? And then I was in like, oh, vision. Like that's a that's a pretty thin like connection uh, to be like he doesn't have any, he doesn't see, but he has unique vision. Heimdall has unique vision. Let's hey, Hey, throw there the two we go. Of them together. Yep. I mean, that's cool. I, I wouldn't mind to see what happens when uh, Daredevil is able to see everything that's ever happened or is happening. Yep, that's going to be hell on the senses. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's an exciting idea, um, you know. But it's it's like they announced it as a mini series, um, and then they did like I think it's going to be Tales to Astonish. No, what was the journey into mystery? There we go. I think mm-hmm. they're bringing that title back for a short while. Wonder Man's going to be part of it, but the rest of the team is characters they don't care about. So I felt bad. I'm not going to pick it up. And it's just, I mean, they're they're like they're slowly like, oh, here's our twelfth tie-in book. So I, you know, because you're going to have to pick up the main event, you're going to have to pick up Avengers, and you're going to have to pick up Thor, which are all written by Jason Aaron. 
then you're going to have to pick up that three-part miniseries with Daredevil in it because it's written by Jason Aaron. You know, and so, I mean, I don't want to bag on it. I'm very excited. I hope it does well. So shop wisely. But if you are going to go all in, then definitely be picking up Avengers and Thor now because they're, there's, the seeds are there. Uh, so in this week's Avengers, we will see the Iron Fist of 1000 BC. So those characters haven't stopped yet. <laughs> so we're, we're getting little vignettes of them. So oh. this week we'll be seeing her. Hey, uh. So back in the back in the, the old, back in the day, the, yeah, back in the day, the 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 you know what was it? What, Atlas Comics, I guess. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, the fifties Marvel. Sure. The uh, the yeah the the past Marvel. It was what Amazing Tales, Tales to Astonish, Journey into Mystery. What what else were, was there that these See, the Tales of Suspense? From? Tales of Suspense. Because that's uh, Iron Man, right? Tales yeah, of Tales of Suspense gave us Iron Man, and then Tales to Astonish gave us. Ant Man and Journey into Mystery. Uh, Journey into Mystery gave us Thor. Um, did it also give us Doctor Strange? Ooh, that's a good question. Where did he come from? Amazing, um, Amazing Tales, or is it well, amazing? amazing Adult Fantasy, which became Amazing, amazing Fantasy, Fantasy? That's what gave it was. Us Spidey. Okay. Um, God, good question about Doctor Strange. I'm not too sure where his came from. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I just, I was just wondering what are the other some of the other tale uh, the other titles that we got our modern day you know, comic books from Marvel comic books from, because that, that to me, that that's interesting. Like what was the one that we just had with, uh, uh, the Hawkeye and, um, uh, uh, winter soldier together. Oh, that was astonishing gosh. tales, right? Or no, tales uh, to astonish or something like that. Something. Yeah. It, it had, to, maybe it was tales to astonish. It was, it was something like that, but yeah, that like, I, I something that I constantly. Oh, tells of suspense. I think it was. Was it tells? I think it was just tells of suspense. Oh, is that for Doctor Strange? No, no, no. Oh, for uh, the Hawkman, Hawkeye, Hawkeye yeah. and, uh, Bucky team up book, which needs more. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, well, let's see. Strange Tales. So that actually might have been where Doctor Strange comes from, but I could be. I could. Oh, be wrong. Strange Tales. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm cheating and I'm using the internet here, and it's not giving me anything. <laughs> but I just think like I, something I constantly preach on this, and and when I'm talking to you or we're talking, you know, separately, it's just like these are the titles that you should that Marvel should be making that should be your anthology books that just like every every month every story arc should be a different character just to to test stuff out like. Why? Why don't they have a journey into mystery book anymore? Why don't they have a uh, tales to astonish book anymore? Kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting, and it's funny because we are actually in the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics, and they are bringing some stuff back. I think they're they're doing Marvel Tales, which is great. But it's like, yeah, how come you don't have a book called Marvel Comics? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have Detective Comics, DC, and you don't have Marvel Comics. And Marvel Comics is where it all started. And even, you know, when they were timely, then Atlas, Stan Lee was like, well, we started Marvel Comics. Let's continue as Marvel Comics, you know, things like that. But you're right. Why don't they have Tales to Astonish, uh, Tales of Suspense, uh, Strange Tales? Why don't they have something like that? And that's exactly what you do. It's like... Okay, you know, I've got a great, you know, Wonder Man story, but I know Wonder Man's not going to sell. This and we don't have to sit in Avengers. Yeah, so exactly. We can't just shove him into yeah. Avengers because it would, it would throw the rest of the story off. So let's, yeah, so let's, let's give him a out there right there. four story arc in the middle of Tales to Astonish. And then, hey, if he does really well, maybe there's a, something comes out of yeah, it. Yeah, something comes out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? I'm going to preach this to the day I die or this podcast ends. <laughs> I don't know which one is going to come first, but. Neither. <laughs> Infinite. Imagine if infinity. <laughs> That's right. I'm getting a infinity infinity stone. So yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Uh, moving along. So Ben Riley, um, 
The Scarlet Spider Volume 5 will be out. This will complete the uh, Peter David run on on Ben Riley. So, okay, I'm going to pick a bone if you don't mind. No, go for it. So I supported that book. I was very excited during Clone Conspiracy. Yep. I've been one of the the, the, the the fans that is okay with this because all the other Ben Riley people have been like, no, Ben's a happy-go-lucky guy. Fuck all this, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude got killed and revived 27 times. <laughs> it's going to fuck with you a little bit. And I love those stories. I appreciate that stuff. Like, it makes the character Shakespearean, you know, when they go through all this growth and everything. It's epic. And this was Ben's, but I'm, I, I, I ate so much bullshit from other people. And I, I was that one fan who stood tried and true and Peter, David, what happened with issue 25? My God, it ended so just lame. And I mean, I get it. He put his little bit out there. He's like, Hey man, Marvel told me I had to put the toys back the way I got them. Damn, but then it's that like, sucks. Well, and it did. And like, I get it, you know, but that doesn't mean you got to write something bad. Like he still could have had Ben be like, Hey, I'm going to be okay with, being a bad guy or whatever the case may be. Or maybe he's like, look, dude, I, I've, if I try to do the right thing, it gets another chance for me to get killed. This is why I got to do what's best for me. And that makes him selfish, keeping him in line with that because then it's like, okay, well, because we're going to stick Spidey or sorry, we're going to, we're going to stick Ben. We're going to put him into spider Geddon. So Armageddon sounds like somebody's going to die. And I don't know if something happened midway through spider Geddon, but Ben survives like he's being offered to the, the Moreland and that family via Dr. Octopus. Uh, well, Otto Octavius, superior Spider-Man. He's being offered to them. They eat him, and they're like, oh, it's gross. It's giving me food poisoning because it's tainted meat or whatever. <laughs> and then they revive Ben and then Pete comes in and he's like, oh, great. Here's, you know, Scarlet Spider and Superior Spider-Man and a bunch of cloning tubes. This has got to be fantastic, right? And then Ben's like, hey, man, I'm totally cool. I'm revived. I'm okay. All that shit's out of my system. And then that's it. That's literally it. It's like three pages for that whole five-issue miniseries. I'm like, what the fuck? So give me something. Give me something. I mean, I almost don't want to buy this trade, but I will because I've got the rest of them. But so damn it. Oh. If we come up to whatever the next big uh, crossover event will be that involve all the Marvel Universe and someone has to sacrifice himself. Are they going to throw Ben Black in there? Knight. <laughs> Thor. Have Thor die so he can be reborn and we don't have to see that gold arm and he can claim me all again. Oh, nice. That would be great. Fix Thor. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, putting Ben on the big screen really doesn't help because like, I appreciate, oh man, we, we just talked about it, the, the big Marvel hell crossover, um, damnation. Yeah. And I like that he was a part of it, but I like how they did it. He was affected by what was going on, but he wasn't part of it. You know, like he would pop in and do some stuff, but in his own book, that's where we saw his adventure. I was like, this was perfect because it still fit in with the story and it fit in with their story and it congealed nicely. That's what you do with Ben. I mean, not everybody has to be on the moon when there's a crisis. <laughs> there's got to be somebody who's like, hey, let's put some more sandbags because the tides are all fucked up. You know, like you can do that sometimes. But anyway, so all right, rant over. So it's up to you. Pick up the trade. I recommend it. But <laughs> all right. So Cosmic Ghost Rider, baby Thanos must die. Trade paperback. That's right. He was just a crazy character created in the middle of a Thanos must win story arc. He's grown onto his own adventure. Uh, then that five issue miniseries is collected in trade. So if you like your, you know, Frank Castle with cosmic powers and spirits of vengeance and goofiness, 
There you go. Yep, you know me. Those are the things I love. Yep. <laughs> but um, speaking of some anthology stuff, Marvel will revive a couple of titles. And one of them is Crypt of Shadows. So Al Ewing and a couple of others will be bringing back one of the old Marvel horror, tor- horror stories from the 70s and just bringing it out there. Now, these weren't necessarily major characters. They were just people in crazy scenarios. And I'm excited because Al Ewing, if I remember correctly, no. Yeah, I think he is writing Hulk right now. Dude, he's making Hulk a monster. Yeah, that's what everybody's so, talking about, like how, how great the Immortal Hulk is, is 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 as a book and as a monster book. Yeah, so I mean right here, bam, this is where it's at. So, so yeah. with the, the, the success of Immortal Hulk and the way that they're treating him as a as a monster flick as a monster comic, like do you see them like Universal ever making another Hulk movie with Mark Ruffalo and like making a straight up horror movie? I don't think you could do it with Mark. No, no, I, I just I feel like well, Marvel Studios wouldn't allow someone else to play uh, Bruce yeah, yeah. at the moment. No, I, I get you, but I just I don't because with Mark Ruffalo playing it and the way they've been making the Hulk, I feel like he's a goofy, lighthearted character, mm-hmm. not the tortured soul that we know. Because like, yeah, could you totally you know like from the Incredible Hulk TV show? Yeah, that almost felt a little supernatural, a little dark, you know, torment of the soul, mm-hmm. and. Honestly, like this to me, I've never seen the Hulk explored this way. Even when Bruce Jones did his return to the monster. Yeah, he made it scary. But like Al Ewing, don't read this before you go to bed. You know, like it's insane. Okay, so, so I, I got it know. for you. Uh, and complete speculation, so it's not a spoiler. <laughs> but the end of Endgame, uh, Bruce Banner sacrifices himself. Hulk is dead. Next time, or in phase four, yeah. Um, uh, we see a young Asian boy by the name of Amadeus Cho. He gets his own movie, become and they do the Immortal Hulk with that. Like even though it's not the same type of Hulk that in his comic, but like they are adapting the two stories together, Amadeus Cho and their scary Hulk. Like they make him a horror movie. Could, would Ooh. that work? All right, I could see that. Yeah, kind of have it. You know, like Amadeus Cho is aware of what's out there, and what's out there is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could see doing that. Okay. I'd watch it, but then again, I'd, I'd probably watch most superhero films. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you, you're too familiar with that, but like Universal owns the right to the Hulk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the only way that Marvel Studios can use him is if he's in a movie with someone else. So if he's in the Thor movie, he, they can use him. Yeah, World War Hulk. Yeah. We'll just call it Ragnarok. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, he can be in the Avengers movies. But if it's the incredible, if it's just an incredible Hulk movie, it has to be a Universal movie. Yeah. So that's why we're going to have random team ups. That's why they're like, hey. We create, we, we, we get Rick Jones, so he's not part of the package deal. We make him an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., bam! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that, but that's what the, maybe that's what the um, uh, Black you. Widow movie is going to be, you know? After the death of Bruce Banner, who she started falling in love with, she has to go and protect <laughs> this, young, this young boy who also now is afflicted with the Incredible Hulk, and every yeah. once in a while, he kills people because he's also the Incredible Hulk. I don't yeah. know. Hey, that could be something. <laughs> you know, she, yeah, he, he's reporting stuff that only she recognizes as Bruce, mm-hmm. and they go on to a tale of suspense. Ooh. <laughs> Red ledgers. That, that's a, that is another terrible thing that we have the whole. We are into almost phase four of the MCU, and we don't have a Rick Jones anywhere. Yeah, like right. that is unfortunate. He is so detrimental to the beginning of Marvel that we don't have Rick Jones. Yeah, well, those guys aren't going to get any respect. Rick Jones or uh, Snapper Carr. They yeah, just no. you know the whole idea of 
Because well, Snapper well, Carr like, showed up in Supergirl, the TV show, but he was not Snapper, Snapper Carr. He was complete, yeah. He was something else. It's like, hey, we got this character. What can we name him? Uh, Jimmy Olsen? We already did that. Uh, Snapper Carr. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's un- it's rather unfortunate. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Moving along. So Daredevil, Back in Black, and this is part of the Charles Soul run, and this will be the final volume, Volume 8, Death of Daredevil. I enjoyed this one. Uh, Phil Noto came over to do the art chores on it. And it was really great, and this was a really neat story about misdirection. So you're reading it, and you're getting hyped, and then you find out what's really going on. Uh, fantastic, great lead into The Man Without Fear, which will then lead into Chip Zardaski and Mark Chichero's run on Daredevil. So I'd highly recommend it. I highly recommend picking up all of Charles Soule's run. I think he did a fantastic job. Uh, speaking of trades, Extermination will finally be completed in trade paperback because the series finally ended. And this is perfect timing because there's going to be a certain annual coming out. So if you want to get a little bit of a sneak peek before this annual, I highly recommend this trade. Uh, I know you just said you, you read or you finished it, right? I did. Extermination. These five issues and yep, I just finished issues. it up. You know, the last page, spoilers, is... Uh, the Return of the King. Yeah, well... <laughs> yeah, you said it. You no. The Cyclops <laughs> is back. The Return of Cyclops. Yeah, he's sitting there and he hands his, uh, oh, his son... His, his, his Wi-Fi. Yeah, uh, Wi-Fi cable. cable uh, gives him cable a root beer. A beer. <laughs> Was it a root beer? I believe so. No. Well, see, because it's hard to tell me... Or it's hard for me to tell what age that cable is. Like, he's yeah, still... Right? I mean, he obviously is younger than the cable that we know. Yeah. He's much more slimmed down. But he already has like gray hair. Yeah, like, I feel like is like, that I feel just like he's, a cable thing. I think that's a rogue thing. Like I think it oh, became okay. fashionable, so it's like, yeah, let's do this. But I mean, again, the kid grew up in a war torn apocalyptic right. future. No, so you're but, absolutely right. But yeah, but I feel like it was fashionable because of rogue. Mm. So since we know he goes completely white, it's like, oh, let's plant those seeds early. <laughs> but I believe they're there. I'll have to double check because we've seen young Cable before. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, obviously you go to Nate Gray. Right. And he was around for X Men, so mm-hmm. he did have the little streak yep. as well. Um, but yeah, if you go to the Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, the first one, the the, wed- uh, the honeymoon of Scott and Jean, where they go into the future to raise Cable, I think I think by the end he might have a little bit of a gray streak, but I can't remember. But I'll have to double check. But he also, we don't know if he has the techno organic virus or not. Like, yeah, it's tough because like he wears that stuff over himself. So yeah, he's he's fully covered for the most part. But I'm pretty sure I think I saw in X Force. I think I did see him having a metal arm. Oh, so I think they will have that because we know. Like when, so if you go back to your X Factor back issues, so issues one through 70, and that's basically going to tell you the origins of baby Cable. And Cable's an interesting cat because, like, I was looking at this because uh, Rob Liefeld is going to do, what was it? Um, existence, X-Men Existence. So he's going to have his own little. Oh, is that where he's introducing his new yeah, X-Men the, the character? Yeah, master or whatever it's, it's it was. Uh, it was weird because he it's another character that has the na- the letter X in the name. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, so when we had um, Decimation, um, we had the one character that was part of the the the, the secret um, initiative or whatever that was uh, Mutant X. Uh-huh. Or was, yeah, it was Mutant X. No, Mutant Zero. Which one was it? Oh, man. Uh, Maybe it was Mutant Zero because she, it was, it ended up being. The initiation that was Mutant Zero, yeah, because we didn't know who she was. Right, and it ended up being, um. Pain, no, not painkiller. Uh, typhoid, typhoid, typhoid Mary. Mary, yeah. And uh, she had to stay in her zero room. Yeah. Um, but then we had Agent X, which was um, the Dare- Deadpool, Deadpool and character, Algen, yeah, right? Whatever. And then there was Agent Mutants, Mutant X. Well, or, Soldier X was Cable. Soldier X was Cable. There was, there was the one dude that was uh, that was North Star. 
Um, oh, I don't know that. I one, forget. But yeah, yeah. He changed his name. I think he, he became use the rights Agent Zero or Agent X or something like that. But I don't know. It's just funny. Ex Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just kept uh, changing, changing their, changing them around. So that was interesting. But, yeah, but now, now Liefeld. Yeah, what does he make? What's that character's name? Well, the new one. Yeah, the new guy. Major X. Major X. That's Major right. Major X. Major pain in the X. <laughs> so he's a brand new character. It's not going to be revealed that, oh, it's actually someone that we used to know. Well, okay, but here's the twist. So from what I've read so far, there's an alternate universe, a different existence. Oh, geez. And on this world, every mutant was protected. But then that world, that existence came to a conclusion and somehow major X made the jump to the 616, but he didn't just make the jump to the 616 at any time. He went back to like the late eighties, early nineties. So oh, that way he could meet with Liefeld. <laughs> so Liefeld is just like, so to me, this feels like when they do those books, like they, when they did X-Men forever, like, mm-hmm. Oh, let's say Chris Claremont didn't leave writing the X-Men. Right. X factor forever. Yeah. Let's give him one more story arc. That's what this is. Like, I'm just like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, he's got to, he's just going to do his own thing. Cause, um, yeah, right here, his quote, it was pretty exciting to put him somewhere between new mutants, number 98 and X-Force number one. I'm literally writing the cable and the Deadpool and the shadow star of my youth. Cause that's how he talks. I'm sure. No, it's probably more and more dude. Like, yeah, there we go. just kidding. Just kidding. But, um, yeah, just, it, it's really crazy looking, um, the covers out there, and it's kind of funny because when I look at the cover, I, I felt like that was Beast at first, but I think that's probably Wolfsbane. Because if I remember oh. correctly, wasn't she part of X Force during that era? Yeah, but that has to be Boot Beast. It looks it right because the blueness. Yeah. And even if you look at Storm, that looks like a very modern costume. Because if I remember correctly, I think back then she would have been in the white costume yeah. that was famous from she the animated yeah. series, and that one's the black costume. I mean, I know that's splitting hairs, but you're right. Why would it be Beast? It should be Wolfsbane that would be on the team, but Storm wasn't on X-Force. No, Storm wasn't on X-Force. Wolverine is just there to be there. Well, Wolverine yeah. is Wolverine. He's yeah. got to be on every X-Team. and yeah, doesn't matter if it's past, present, or future, but yeah. So I don't know what the hell to expect with this thing, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so how did we get to this tangent? Oh, because of extermination and Wi-Fi. Yeah. So in existence, um, yeah, existence. So, but I, I, excuse me, I enjoyed extermination. I thought it was great. Um, uh, yeah, I enjoyed I'm it. I'm not going to lie though. The, 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 the skip hurt like what we had like a five month wait between two of the, well, to the conclusion. And oh, really? Yeah. And that hurts because honestly that book should have concluded right before the relaunch of uncanny X-Men mm-hmm. that was supposed to lead into it. So I'm curious, was there a rewrite? You know, like did they decide like, Hey, you know what? The hype's real. Let's bring Cyclops back. So there it is. Yeah, in your world, I imagine that's exactly in existence. <laughs> in this haven of amazing comics that you get to experience. Yes, I, no, I'm I'm certain that there was there was something. What did you think about the the whole uh, misdirect with um, Mimic? So basically, Mimic's dead. Oh yeah. So like, okay. So I feel sad that Mimic was dead, but I saw that right off the bat. Like when they left on that cliffhanger, yeah. I was like, they're not gonna kill Scott because time space continuum. Would it have been cool if they had killed Scott? Yes. I you know. What if like, they had killed Scott and then they used Mimic to be Scott and the oh now see and it was funny some of the fans like so same thing like i hate it so like early well no mid 2000s i love message boards jeff johns used to have his own website 
and he had his own message board on there. And I was a frequent, like I'd post on there all the time. I loved it because everybody was level-headed and cool. <laughs> what? Yeah, on no, the like, internet? Yeah, I know, of all places. And it was fun. We could talk about it like, oh, my God, did you see issue 27? What a cliffhanger. What do you guys think? Well, here's my theory. Oh, that's cool. Here's my theory. Oh, well, did you catch that? Oh, never mind. My theory's, you know, like it was just, it was good. And right now I, I post a lot on CBR comic book resources on their message board. And I, I frequent the, you know, the Hal Jordan appreciation and the Cyclops appreciation. And sometimes I get annoyed when I'm on there because when that issue happened, extermination issue 24, so spoiler when that happened and you know, we saw the quote unquote death of Cyclops and it was like, okay, you can clearly tell it was going to be mimic. And then all of a sudden, I think Bleeding Cool ran an article where they had that exact theory. What if, you know, it was Scott <laughs> really? who died. So then wife, well, Kid Cable kidnaps Mimic, brainwashes him into believing he's Scott, sends him back into the past, 1963, and he resumes the whole life. And then therefore, he creates his own father, which creates him. And, da, da, da. and I was just like... Mimic doesn't have shape-shifting ability. No. Like, his face is still going to look like Calvin Rankin, not Scott Summers. How do you know that they don't look the same? They're not that bland. He's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing a visor, you know? Oh, come on. <laughs> that, that, that's how we go from having a, a little dimple in your chin to not having a dimple in your chin. Ahab <laughs> didn't, didn't see it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's no way that, you know... That's just too much. Yeah, he'd that's, be able to go back to that. Yeah. Plus, he shouldn't even look that young. He, he, yeah, he, Calvin Rankin's an adult man right now. If they had brought in Calvin Rankin from when he first joined the right. X-Men, I could see that being a theory. Which I thought, I've always been under the impression that Mimic, even though he has all the powers of the original X-Men, he wasn't a mutant himself. Exactly, he wasn't. But they've changed that. They've made it so that he is a mutant, at no least according kidding. to his uh, Wikipedia page, which I know anybody can change. It <laughs> says... Uh, no, but I think you're right. I think somewhere along the line, they just said, oh, hell with it, make him a mutant. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, So that which I always thought was weird but. yeah because he was so what was it we got amazo and that was cool here's one dude with all the powers of the justice league um we got the super scroll because that was cool it's the powers of the fantastic four the super adaptoid with the all the avengers powers so oh shit there's the x-men let's do one of them bam mimic you know right but holy hell how cool is that team amazo super adaptoid super scroll and mimic God, we need another one from DC. Oh. And then you just, well, Parasite, I guess. Yeah, he could, that works. And yeah. he could take anybody. He's the wild card. <laughs> Holy shit, the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, pick up the trade. Uh, it's definitely going to be leading into this new year of X-Men books. Um, it resolved the, because gosh, the, the 05 have been around since 2012 when Bendis brought them in. So I think it was really neat. I, I, I like the way it ended. Um, I think they did a great job. So I, I appreciate it. It was a fun story. So you guys are lucky if you're buying the trade because it's all right there instead of <laughs> waiting a long time. All right, moving along. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number two. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number one had some huge ramifications. Along comes this friendly Australian called Tom Taylor, and he rocked your world because he revealed Aunt May's got a secret. Well, whenever there's secrets involved in the Spider-Man universe and love comes along, who knows what could happen. So <laughs> this book may be planting some major seeds. Uh, wait, we have a Spider-Man movie coming out. Hey, I think we need a big thing coming up. So come summer, who knows what could be happening. So I also, uh, I, I talked to you this about this. Your running theory on this? Yes, yes. I talked to you on off air about this. I text messaged you. It's something that's been bugging me since watching Spider-Verse, and I really have not seen anybody <coughs> online talking about it, which I think is so odd. Because, uh, so, 
everybody who's seen Spider-Verse, if you haven't seen it, blank out for You the need next to go watch minutes. this movie. You definitely need to go watch it, but just blank out for the next couple minutes. But uh, I was watching Spider-Verse, and in the movie when Peter and Miles meet the doctor it at um alchemic all all alchemax yeah uh she says he goes wait what's your name again she's like my name is olivia octavius and then she's like he's like oh i bet your friends call you doc ock and he she goes no my friends call me live but uh my enemies call me doc ock so that line my friends call me live now skip forward in the movie go to the you know the sinister sticks so to speak attacking Peter Parker's house or Aunt May's house should be Aunt May. The first thing that comes out of her mo- or out of her mouth when uh, you know Doc Ock is at the door, she says, "Oh look, it's Liv," you know, kind of thing. Right. That implies that they're friends. If you go by what you know was said earlier, yeah, in the movie. Was the movie established a rule and they followed the rule. So now, if you go back to the six one six universe, the the male Doc Ock and Aunt May had a very close relationship, even to the point where you know they were almost got. Married. Now, to bear in mind that the whole Doc Ock and Aunt May almost being married was like a ploy on Doc Ock's part. Like, she wasn't quite in it, like, kind of thing. But they, they were in a relationship. They were dating. You know, they, they they were friends. Is there Are they saying, is there a possibility that in the Spider-Verse universe, in Miles Morales' universe, you know, uh, Aunt May and... Could she have moved on after Ben? Yeah, moved on after Ben and, you know, the, Olivia and Aunt May were a couple. And then you know they she found out that Olivia wasn't the you know the the greatest of person so they they broke up or whatever but he tried to kill my dear sweet Pete <laughs> I just think that's interesting I, no they, I, they, they to me that's a huge egg <clears throat> and you're right I wonder how many people caught on to that because that could have some huge ramifications yeah I mean when we're watching the the, the far from home trailer you look at a license plate you cross reference that with an issue and then it's a seed and then yeah exactly from her own word of mouth she's like only the bad guys call me doc my friends call me live yeah and then Aunt May's first response is live yeah you know? exactly. and clearly she's lived in a world where she's seen doc mm-hmm. you know yeah so, all right, I, that's just something I wanted to bring up. I, I just want I want people to be talking about it. I think it's super interesting, and it, if they go somewhere with that in the next movie, I, I would love to hear about it. Which means, in I, mean, I know we only had the one Spider-Man movie in the MCU so far. We didn't have a Doc Ock yet, right? No, our our MCU has not seen a Doc. Our MC, yeah, our MCU has not Doc Ock. Yet. Okay, interesting. Oh. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, so uh, let's see. So, yeah, amazing. Our friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man number two. So, again, I think this could be a series that's going to be planting some seeds because we are seeing some uh, blooming of the romance of Pete and MJ. But we know there's a consequence. So, anyways. All right. uh, Here's a big book of the week that's going to be worth picking up. Guardians of the Galaxy number one. That's right. The Infinity Wars are over. The Infinity Warps are done, and they're living in their own world. And now we have Donny Cates, the man who made Thanos win, the man who made Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's coming over to the um, to the to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, one great thing, or I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. But David Marquez is going to be on this book. David Marquez art is amazing. Uh, when he teamed up with Brian Michael Bendis and they did their Defenders book, that thing was legendary. I think it was like 11, 12, or thirteen issues. Beautiful stuff. Like, that guy needs to be drawing, like, universe books. Like, when stuff happens, he Mm -hmm. needs on crossovers. But anyways, yeah, Thanos is dead. What do we do? That's what's going to be happening. So I think we're going to – I think this is going to – I got a feel, especially after the preview pages, I've got a feeling that we're going to see our own civil war 
of the galaxy. Mm. Like I just feel like Peter Quill is gonna be like so this is gonna be Civil War three, <clears throat> Civil War two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, basically like the third iteration of it. But I, I just feel like something like because Pete created the the modern Guardians of the Galaxy with with Rocket and basically saying like, look, we need to be proactive. We can't wait till these universal threats grow. We need to stop them when they hit. And right now with Thanos being dead, like they always say, you know, you get rid of the bad guy that, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So what's going to happen when Thanos is gone? So I think this is going to be wild. So I, I just, I don't know. I just, when I was looking at those panel pages, that's what I get a, a feel for. So it'll be worthwhile. Uh, and don't worry, um, whatever letter K is in the alphabet, that's how many variant covers are. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of them out there to get. So good luck. Uh, I think it's going to be definitely worthwhile. Immortal Hulk will be on its 12th issue. So we've had one year of the Immortal Hulk. And if I remember correctly, I think this continues on with the uh, Hulk in hell. Yeah, actually, no, sorry. <clears throat> this starts Hulk in hell. So if you thought everything else was crazy, now we're going to hell <laughs> with this monster Hulk. So this is going to be nuts. So yeah, definitely pick it up. And I got to say one quick thing too. Those Alex Ross covers, that's awesome. Like I'm really glad he's, he's working on those. Uh, Man Without Fear will continue on the weekly series. So we'll be on part four of five. I've been enjoying it so far. They're really neat. Um, um, just views from different people. So, I mean, I will admit like issue one, we saw Matt in the coma and then you saw his hand move and he says foggy issue two, he's up and at it. you know, issue three, he's, he's kind of, he's starting more physical rehabilitation. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. And I think this is kind of neat to see Matt get his, his bearings back in because we take it for granted that there's always going to be a man for man without fear. What if he can't walk? What if he's really damaged? So I just, I like what they're doing with this one. Shiri will be celebrating her fourth issue on her series. Uh, Star Wars hits big number 60. Superior Spider-Man number two. So if you like the adventures of Spidey Ock, that's the way to go. So wait, it's called Superior Spider-Man? It's not Superior yeah. Octopus? Yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be Superior Octopus. But I, I guess Superior Octopus was a one-shot leading into... Superior Spider-Man. No, leading into Spider-Geddon, which then... Because in, in, when he started working in the Spider-Geddon, he was like, oh, I should probably dress up as a Spider-Man so people will appreciate me more. Mm. And then once he came back, it's kind of like, oh, I guess I should probably stay looking like a Spider-Man because... People not, you know, Superior Octopus, because I think we saw Superior Octopus during the Secret Empire. So it kind of makes sense. That's true, like, yeah. That brand is kind of stinky. <laughs> from it. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, Superior Spider-Man number two is out there. Christos Gage is working on it. Uh, if you want your True Believers $1 reprint fix, this month is going to be celebrating Conan. So we'll have Conan, The Secret of Skull River, and King Conan, two reprints there. And now... Actually, no, I'm going to save it for a second. So we're going to get another old school Marvel tell, um, War is Hell. So they're going to bring back the the war books. So Howard Chaikin's going to come in and do some stuff. So this is part of the big Marvel 80th celebration. So we're going to see War is Hell. Um, basically, you're going to be dealing with a lot of the sky battles. So this looks like it, it might be um, kind of World War One, where we get to see those old you know aces of the sky and what they do. And then last but not least, here's the big book. This is the one you need to buy 12 copies of. Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1. Yes. 
That's right. Extermination. There was a page where we see young Cable come in and he's like, hey, Pops, here you go. And, they, you know, we just see Cyclops sitting there really awkward <laughs> and he has a root beer with his son. And this is kind of cool because Scott and Nate, well, their father and son, they've never really had big bonding times. We haven't gotten to see some of that stuff. And now it will all be explained in the annual, who was, or the annual, which is also written by Ed Brisson who wrote uh, Extermination. So this is like the sixth issue, you know, <laughs> so this will be very exciting. Um, I don't know if we're going to get the full explanation, but we're going it, to, it's going to start here. Uh, and then obviously this is going to lead next lead and lead us into uncanny X-Men issue 11, which is going to have Cyclops dealing with the mutants being gone. Uh, Wolverine's going to return in issue 12. So I believe the series will be going to a biweekly status instead of weekly. So it'll save on the pocketbook, but it's also going to be hell of expensive. Uh, but I highly recommend this one. I know I'm excited for it. The hype is real. <laughs> the return of the king is here. So anyways, that's what's on your spinner racks. Enjoy. All right. Your comics. It's an extra long spinner rack. We had things to talk about. But let's talk about Glass, Unbreakable, and Split. So, I don't know. You want to either call it the Unbreakable Trilogy or the Glass Trilogy. Um, I like Unbreakable. Just because I liked Unbreakable a lot. More. I loved Unbreakable, <laughs> too. But then you kind of... Okay, so, yes, we will be spoiling Glass in this next conversation. So, if you hadn't watched it yet, you might want to pause the, the podcast and come back later. Uh, we come to find out, which I think was already pretty pre- prevalent at the end of Split. But we come to find out in Glass that uh, Mr. Glass created both David Dunn and the horde or the beast because right. uh the accident the train accident that killed or that um uh created david dunn or david dunn survived through killed uh kevin wendell crumb's father which is then helped make the psychosis that created the beast in kevin out of had his to protect kevin from 20- his mother exactly his mother was crazy his mother had it's suffered from schizophrenia or you know borderline personality disorder or whatever um so yeah each one of the different personalities in kevin where it was there to help him cope with something else the beast was the ultimate one to help protect him or the avenging spirit so to speak that would uh, protect him from all the things that would hurt kevin right so in the end you find out that uh and it's uh what is it it's um david dunn's son joseph dunn who then goes and um explains to the beast that hey Mr. Glass is the one that created you because he killed your father, and you know he turns on Mr. Glass then because that's as you see in the in the, in the trailer. <laughs> Mr. Glass is like, this sounds like the bad guys teaming up and kind of thing, and and honestly, like not not honestly, he is a bad guy. Mr. Glass yeah. is terrible. He killed many many people, but this is all for like he's done all this so that he can prove that superheroes exist or that people with extraordinary powers exist, and he even planned for this. He planned for his own death he planned so that people would see what the beast and david dunn or the overseer can do yep so yes going back to unbreakable in the year 2000 honestly this unbreakable would would kill kill in today's market right if the movie was made today after the mcu i think it would do amazing because it definitely gives you a comic book world but grounded in reality yeah, it's it, like that movie was ahead of its time. Definitely ahead of its time. Like, it, it, I mean, 2000 was the year X-Men came out. It was after Blade came out. Like, yeah. um, Spider-Man was going to be coming out the next year. Like, n- people just weren't accustomed to comic book movies or 
storytelling in comic movies to this caliber yet. Yeah, they weren't ready for this world. No. Uh, I mean, prior to that, we had the... The, the the four Superman movies. We had the four Batman movies. We had Punisher. We had uh, well, the Superman movies, but they were so far away. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously. I, I, oh, sorry, I was drifting that one. No, no, no. <laughs> the, the the Spider Man or the Superman seventy eight and Superman two were probably the best. Yeah, eighty nine is is a is a is a big like theatrical hit. Honest to me, it's not one of my favorites because it's so far from a Batman that I recognize. Yeah. But uh, you know, the three three Batmans. Oh, I guess people really love Batman Returns also. But the two Batmans after that, people hate. They pan. Yeah. Uh, the two Supermans, three and four, people don't like. So you know, there had not been a good superhero movie in a long time. Yeah, uh, I love Blade movies, but uh, once again. People didn't really understand it. Don't they? Don't know that it's yeah. a comic book. At, you, know, you could show them Blade, and they'd be like, "Oh, this seems like like a darker Buffy the Vampire Slayer." <laughs> and you're like, "What?" Spawn had failed. Yeah, you know, Spawn like did. It, yeah. So we have this. Unbreakable was such a good movie and such good storytelling. It was that I think one of the other big problems of it is it was overshadowed by Sixth Sense. Like yeah. M Night Shyamalan came out with the Sixth Sense. And it blew people away. Were they close, those two movies? Like Pretty in close. Wow. I think it was like 97, 98 when Sixth Sense came out, somewhere around there. Um, but that movie had done so well. Uh-huh. Like it had, it, 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 and it was the first time that people were introduced to the M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> twist, you know, that now people were looking for it. People were expecting that. And yeah, like, what's going to happen? It's, it overshadowed. All of his work after that, like everybody was just like, oh, well, can he live up to that? And it didn't help. Like, I think someone, I think him, he himself, or maybe someone in an interview called him the next Spielberg or some, some shit like that. And, oh, that's and, tough. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so people, you know, he had a lot to live up to and, and it just kind of went downhill from there. People were less in, in, enthralled with his, his movies and stuff like that. Yeah. But. I loved Unbreakable. You loved Unbreakable. Oh, that movie, like, I don't know, maybe it was just when I watched it at the time, but it just, it was awesome. It just had such a great positive energy. Um, I loved the characters. I loved what they were going through. Just great. All around win movie. Right, exactly. And it holds up because we just did a rewatch getting ready for Glass. And I felt like I was like, you know what? This movie's good. Like, Mm -hmm. I can watch this and it doesn't doesn't feel dated or stuck. Mm -mm. And then... Uh, then you skip to 2017, which I believe is when Split came out. I I, I want to say that I wanna it, say it was. I mean, I, I don't think it was 2018. That seems like it was too close. But either way, uh, 2017, 2018, whenever it was, January of that year, maybe it 2016. was. Well, that's what it's dated as. Really? 2016? Yeah. So three years ago? Yeah. Wow. Must have been late 16, though. No, it oh, was like... in January. I remember that. Oh, wow, then. Yeah. So either way. Uh, when it came out, no one knew that this was going to be a sequel to Unbreakable. Not really a sequel. It's kind of a split, or it's a, a split. shared universe. It's thing. a shared yeah. universe thing. It, it's not to the very end when you find David Dunn and and he's like, oh, they called him Mister Glass. Like you're like, oh fuck, this is all connected, <laughs> you know. And then it was such a great story. I to me, it was a, it was a great story. And uh, I've had arguments with people. It's like you think that the movie is about the Anya Taylor-Joy character of uh, Casey and how she has to survive being abducted by this crazy person who has split personalities and stuff like that. But then the Beast has actual supernatural powers. He is the you know a, a, a point beyond human physicality that you know people he, he's able to climb walls without oh any grips. God. He's able to take bullet shots. He's able to bend bars. 
it's it's incredible because then you find out this is an origin story for a villain for yeah. a creature like this is more than just uh the story of casey trying to to survive this is a story about where this dude came from why he is like after the movie uh when we watched glass we were sitting there like how many books are actually about the villain and you know yeah. what you know what the villain goes through and stuff like yeah, that. They get miniseries. They don't have an. They ongoing don't get. Yeah, they title. don't get ongoing. You could do that with the Beast because you have so many in one person. You have so many compelling characters of Barry, Dennis, Kevin. Miss Patricia, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin himself. Yeah, he's yeah. he's very interesting. Oh no, okay, he's the nine year old Hedwig. Yeah. There we go. That's Hed- what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, it, there's so many great things, and then in. Glass, we get to see so many of the personalities that we didn't see in Split, which was, I thought was really cool. It, it's little snippets of, of each one of these characters, but you get to see them. Yeah. And McAvoy does a great job of making them different kind of characters. Yeah, he did. No, as an actor, he did a, like, dude, that, like, despite what you say about it, and like, oh, I didn't like her, this, that, just to see McAvoy's performance, mm-hmm. that alone is worth the price of admission. Very. And just to, so you're right. So they credited for some. I don't know why they do this, but so split they listed as 2016, but it was released January 20th, 2017. You know what oh, it is? I, it I must be the comic book release date. Or <laughs> I, I, I imagine he probably released it to some festivals or something so that he could get it into 2016. So it's in the awards seri- so, season, yeah. season for 2016. But yeah, American audiences didn't get to see it to January 2017. Um, in the movie itself, Glass. They make lots of references to comic books. Mr. Glass himself is like, look, this is what happens in comic books. This is the moment when the two uh, powerhouses meet. This is the, what is called the showdown kind of thing. He even they even make references to indie comics. Like, you know, this is a you know, this is what is would happen with an indie comic. This is what would happen in a major comic, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, when you get the idea that they want you to look at this as an indie comic. Like you, this is, this isn't in the big two. This isn't, this isn't Marvel. This isn't yeah, DC. You're not going to see Nick Fury. I mean, you'll see Nick Fury, but you're not going <laughs> to see Nick Fury. <laughs> so it was, I, I, the movie to me wasn't as good as an unbreakable or, or split, but it still was good. It still, it, it gave me what I wanted. That's how I felt. You know, so this is where we'll differ on this. And it's funny because I'm usually the one who's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it passed time. Okay. (laughs) Um, It was nice to see David Dunn and especially with the son grown up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you find out about the mother, what happened there. And and to me, like, that should have been like something like, oh, maybe this is what pushes David Dunn or a motivation. But it was just a touch, you know, just like, okay, there you go. Um, Like, to me, I felt like it laid a lot of seeds. And I don't know if those seeds will grow because Shyamalan, in my opinion, just hasn't like the guy comes up with some great pitches and some great ideas, mm-hmm. but his execute or his execution isn't his execution is good, but the the, the final result is not. You know, you know, and, and I've said this many times is that the thing I think one of the problems with Shyamalan is that he's a good director. Yeah, he's not a great writer. Yes, <laughs> the the story is always really thin. But the directing and the look of the movie is really good. Yeah, he's got a great style to it, a great feel, you know. And yeah, and I mean, it was nice. It was it was a worthwhile thing. But it's like, it's just like, okay, here we go, and and you know, the the, the bad guys are going to team up, and we're going to see this. And it's like, well, they teamed up just because of location. There yeah. was nothing else. But I mean, I get it. You know, I've, I've read comics where they've done that too. Like the first time Doctor Octopus and Lex Luthor teamed up, it was because of location. They got arrested and put in the same prison. It's like, <laughs> oh, Otto Octavius, you know, and, and why did Superman and Spider-Man team up? Because the bad guys teamed up, you know, and I guess I just like, 
to me, this felt like this was going to be the movie that was the birth of his world of mm-hmm. superheroes, and it just came out still bored. So I see <laughs> I, what what I see you wanting, and this is kind of what I wanted too. At the very end of the movie, you have Haley Joel Osment walk out and be like, "You think you guys are the only ones? You think that you, there aren't other people with superpowers?" And he's like, "I talk to fucking dead people," and like he would have been like their Nick Fury of bringing superpowered people. Oh my to the god! World. So then that means when David Dunn died in Glass, his soul went back to <laughs> success, success <laughs> which I still have not seen. That's fine. I think I've only been like, uh, there's five of us left in this world. Yeah, you're, you're one of them. I, I think it's a very overrated movie, but that's just <laughs> like Unbreakable is my M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, movie. that is his his greatest movie, in my opinion, because like he did. He did such a fantastic job with it. I, I really love the father son part of it. I'm glad to get to revisit it. I was sad the way it ended. Um, but again, like I said, it felt like there were seeds because his son in Unbreakable what when you see him in glass, it's like, oh, is he gonna become the whisperer? Because he grabbed that comic the from Whisper the villain, Man, yeah. yeah, Whisper Man, and it's like, all right, cool, these names are lame, but all right, I'll take it, you know. And so I don't know. I mean, I give it, I, I give it a seven because it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it, but I, I just did not. I think that's hilarious because I give it a seven too, but I really liked it. You <laughs> give it a seven, you're like it passed the time. Well, because like I, I guess for me, because like I, I've noticed that when we when we when we rate when it comes to our movies, I usually tend to rate higher. Uh-huh. Like I always do. So my scale sucks. You know, it's like <laughs> a five. Oh, that's horrible. No, it's not a bad five. I know what it is it's yeah. because it, 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 d- diving into your personal life, you're also a teacher. A seventy is a C, whereas a, a, a five is an F. Like yeah. that, I, yeah, I so it. I'm not not gonna i'm not gonna throw it down you know it's it's yeah exactly you know so it's it's a middle range film like i i would not recommend go see it in theaters just because i don't want you to drop all that money but it is neat to explore that world one more time and great performances by everybody involved uh there's fun little moments a spectacle like the whole vitamin thing i thought that was funny you know mm-hmm. I was like oh okay you know i've had co-workers like that so but yeah i just uh it just it felt like i said it was like you're, you're opening the door to this big world but you're only going to look through the window and i was like oh man all right well <laughs> i i think i it, i it, I think it's definitely something that people should go see, and, and if you can, you might you might be able to wait for the the, the VOD or you know uh, yeah, once it Netflix gets released, or something like that. Yeah. But because the the special effects, oh when, yeah, they were cool. When you, when you well, do this, well, the CGI wasn't great. The yeah. practical stuff looked good. Yes, um, so that you know that that's good enough. But uh, like we were saying, it, it brought up to mind indie comics. So we wanted to talk about what are some of the indie comics that we enjoyed in the past or we have in, enjoyed. Do you consider? Uh, Walking Dead indie. Oh yeah, for sure. I think Walking Dead is the great. Well, it's the modern great story independent comic. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. It, it's probably the the one that hit the biggest like market. Yeah. Well, because he got to embrace a lot of stuff. Because it's interesting. Because like you look at because there's there's indie comics have always been there. And indie comics existed until they were purchased by Marvel or DC. Right. Exactly. Because to me, like. If I were to go through the history of comics and I'd say who's the first independent character, I think the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, Will Eisner, he he went a different route. Instead of going to comic books, he broke into the mainstream market with Sunday comics and they created the spirit section. Three little stories would come out. One of them was about the spirit and they were out weekly for 12 years across America. That was huge, you know, because he went to what was the guarantee sell, the Sunday paper or a comic book. So he got there first. Um 
Image Comics, you know, here's these guys. It's like, hey, every week we're doing all these amazing stuff. We're creating these whole new worlds and, and mythos and origins and touchstones, you know, like the Pearl thing for Batman. That did not exist until Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like, I can't believe that. Like, I swear to God, I must have seen it somewhere before that. That is crazy. But no, that is his. And now that's in every iteration yep. of the Batman origin. That will always be there now. That's always there, you know, and it's like. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you think about that. Like, can you imagine who was the guy who first said to hell with Superman jumping everywhere? He's just going to fly. Yeah. I mean, was it Jerry and Joe or was it somebody else? So not everybody who gets those characters gets that, that add on piece, you know, because it's like, like, it's funny. Cause I always look at this, like with Robin. So Robin, there's a lot of contention. So it looks like you get Jerry Robinson, Bob Kane and Bill finger. But then when you get Nightwing, you get Marv Wolfman and George Perez. And right. it's like, but they didn't create them, did they? You I mean, know? is Dick Grayson changed all that much from, you know, being the boy wonder to being Nightwing? Is, yeah, was is, it just a different costume? It's just a different costume. Know? He doesn't really have a different, like... Uh, uh, He's still got his carefree, yeah, devil-may-care exactly. attitude yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah, so I just find that interesting. Same thing with the Winter Soldier. Like I've been noticing recently, when they do credit the Winter Soldier, they don't give Ed Brudebaker anything. You know, they go back to Jack, uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. And it's mm-hmm. like, but they didn't create the Winter Soldier. Both of them have passed on <laughs> since the Winter Soldier. So, you know, so maybe you do like the with Batman, you know, with and then you announce the other creators. So Dick Grayson created by, you know, the three gentlemen. Nightwing created by, you know, because even the name Nightwing isn't their creation. You know, it's it's a thing. So yeah, very, very interesting. So anyways. So, yeah, Image Comics, they decided, you know what, to hell with it, enough is enough, we're not going to take it. The seven legendary founders left Marvel Comics and created Image because it was all about the art, and that's what they did. They sold very amazing books. They got on, you know, the publication press again, always dealing with Wizard Magazine and and putting themselves out there, not just the creation. Because for years, you would see Batman. Nowadays, we see the guy who writes Batman, so we see that. And then, yeah, Robert Kirkman comes along in with Image Comics and, you know, he embraces the next big thing, television, and he, he got it out there. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely comics, you know, especially modern times, we see, you know, like social media. Social media has a lot. Like, could you imagine if somebody were to write a comic and then you have to go to social media to get clues and things like that? That'd be <laughs> kind of cool. Like, yeah. What if you're reading it and then all of a sudden you have to follow Bruce Wayne's Twitter in order to help <laughs> get this information for your newest issue of Batman? By the way, that's my idea. I'm keeping it. <laughs> so, okay, if you if uh, there are definitely a lot of indie comics out there, and 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 I've come to appreciate them more and read more of them, uh, being in uh, doing this because going to conventions, there are always yeah. indie comic guys and girls and ladies, companies, whatever you want, creators, to call it, yeah, creators that are you know trying to sell their product, trying to get their name out there, and you can pick them up, you can talk to them, you can sit there, you can definitely sit there and talk to those creators, oh yeah, and just be like, well, you know, what was it you were thinking about when you were making this kind of thing? Like, I mean, obviously you don't want to stick around too long because this is their they, bread yeah, and butter. This is, they this need they to make sell their money, their networking, but they they love talking about their creation. Oh, which yeah. I'm not saying the big guys don't love talking about their creation too, but they don't have the time. They yeah. really don't have. Well, the they're time. not getting a guaranteed paycheck. You know, yeah. if I'm sitting there in the Warner Brothers booth for DC Comics, I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. The guy who's sitting there at you know his booth is paying to mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Definitely true. So uh, throughout you know, like I said, throughout the years, I've I've come to pick up a lot of comics. But one of the one indie comics that I adored 
it was probably my first indie comic. Uh-huh. And it's unfortunate because we did a little bit of research before talking about this. Is that <laughs> I remember getting the three issues and and like not being able to finish the story because it didn't get finished. Yep. It was a book called Inferno Hellbound from Image Top Cow. And it's uh, written and drawn by uh, Mark Silvestri. But apparently it was adapted from a book, which I didn't know at the time. And that's kind of the reason why it ended up being canceled with no real ending, because there was some fallout between Mark Silvestri and uh, the writers of the book, which was uh, Kozelman and Solomon. Uh, so it, the book itself was interesting because you have this uh, group of elite soldiers and they have to go to hell because the denizens of hell are going to are coming to earth and they're wreaking havoc and stuff like that. Well, the thing is, you can't pass through the gates of hell if you haven't sinned, if you're not supposed to be going there already. And I think it was issue two is when they finally get to the gates and they're all about to walk through and one dude just fucking dies like he ends up he walks through and he dies and they're like oh i guess he was innocent like all these guys from from prison like well where else are you gonna find sinners they're obviously prisoners well every guy in prison believes they're innocent guess what (laughs) this guy was innocent uh so it was a really good book it wasn't until issue three when you actually got to see hell and then issue three is the end like you don't get to (laughs) know what the hell they else what the hell else happened um mark silvestri is very much known for uh which no x-men he, he, well, X-Men, he started with X-Men Marvel, then he did the breakaway with... Um, uh, was it Witchblade or was it... Image, and I believe you're right. I think it was Witchblade. Okay, yeah. So that was his yeah his big creation. Uh, I mean, he's one of the, what, seven guys that yeah, created one of the seven. Image? Um, it's... It's it's very much there. You, you you get this... It was great art. I mean, obviously his art is great. He's got that unique look. Uh, the storytelling was good. I just... I wish that I would have got to see the end of it, <laughs> find out more about it. Um, the other one is that uh, is a creator that's been on our podcast or one of our podcasts here in, on Geekly Media is um, Terry Mayo. He created the Wicked Righteous. Like if you get a chance to read that, he just they just put it together in a trade. I think the six issues, nice. six or seven issues. Um, it's all about a post apocalyptic world, uh, or maybe not post apocalyptic dystopian world. Um, yeah. And it follows a group of kids that are on their own and how they're navigating this world that's very much different now. And uh, he he's great. He's a great storyteller. You know, uh, he's come on the podcast. We've we've met at conventions. We've talked about the work. We've, I've read. You know, I've read the issues. It's 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 amazing. So definitely give that a check if you can. So what 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 are the indie books that you're bringing to the table? All right. So the stuff I'm bringing to the table, and it's kind of tough because I don't know if they get to be considered indie books or not. But I'm going to start with the first one. So years ago. Um, so you had, you know, all those artists break away from Marvel comics. They found an image and then they became the man they hated. <laughs> they did. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I need God, all the money. <laughs> we watched that documentary about uh, yeah, image comics. Kirkman's. Yeah. Yeah. So you should, if, if anybody wants more, in, it's, you know, yeah, watch that document that. series. There's, there's some great stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, so Jim Lee was tired of it and he broke <laughs> away from them and he created Wildstorm, Wildstorm publications. And then eventually Wildstorm got purchased and it was moved over to DC Comics. So anyways, so at the time, for me, this was one of my first delves into something outside of um, outside of DC and Marvel, even though it basically looks like it's DC and Marvel. So back in 2007, uh, Bilson and DeMeo, so those guys are famous for um, a lot of TV. 
mm-hmm. like the, the the original Flash show. Well, not the, so the '90s Flash, <laughs> um, and then I want to say I, I know they did something recently too, right? I don't. I'm not uh, sure. Okay, well, at least I know something with, with comics. But anyway, so yeah, so Danny Bilson, Paul DeMeo, they're gonna come back. Those guys worked on Captain Adam, you know, another one of my favorite characters. So they're teaming up with Adam Brody. So there's a lot of big names here. Jerry Ordway is gonna be the artist on this, and they even managed to get a variant cover by Darwin Cook. So I mean, you're just getting all these great names, and I said, you know what, I gotta do this. So I, I bought the five issue miniseries, or was it six? I forget now. But anyways, I, I bought it, and it, it's basically, here's here's the, the tagline from the back of the trade paperback. Los Angeles, 1953, where the glamour and wealth of Hollywood and Beverly Hills collide with the crime and grit of Chinatown, Central Avenue, and the barrios of Chavez Ravine. Huax, notorious red hunter Senator Joe McCarthy and his merciless chief counsel Roy Cohen have subpoenaed the City of Angels' own two-fisted superhero, the Eagle, revealed under the mask of Steve Tremaine, dedicated father and war hero. Tremaine wants nothing more than to protect his town, but his friendship with Soviet crime fighter the Bear brands him brands the stunning Tremaine a communist, a red menace. Should the Eagle continue his vigilante actions, he'll be arrested and jailed. Despite the efforts of the headstrong daughter, head, uh, dist- <laughs> do this. Despite the efforts of his headstrong daughter Helen Tremaine, uh, despite oh my goodness. so, anyways, his daughter's kind of like <laughs> you need to stop. Tremaine's like, no, I'm a hero. I've done nothing wrong. I've served my country, you know. And I just, to me, like, politi- like political books are interesting. Um, but sometimes I don't care for them because books are why I escaped because of political bullshit. So anyways, I thought this one was really neat because the Red Menace, the Red Scare of the 50s, has always been an interesting thing for me. Um, Arthur Miller. You know, he was a playwright, married to Marilyn Monroe, great guy, wrote a bunch of great stuff. He saw the way America was behaving, and he was just like, you fucking idiots, you know, like, we fell for this before, so he wrote The Crucible to remind us. So I think that's what kind of got me, too, because The Crucible was one of the first, well, actually was the first play I ever did. So I was like, okay, this Red Menace stuff, and I just thought it was great, because here you have this kid, and he actually has superpowers, so he tracks down the eagle and he's like look i believe in you i know you're a hero you're not a communist you know it's okay and even you know the eagle is like who gives a shit about this communist stuff there isn't really a threat it's an idea you know and yeah when it was world war ii and we were working with the russians we were okay but now and and this is what's really neat is in this book some of the like enforcers that are trying to capture the eagle or some of the scientists that are high up they're former nazis so why is it they're okay and this is you know it was just such a neat thing like i always remember this quote from the um, the Count of Monte Cristo, you know, treason is just a matter of time. Yep. You know, and I just thought, man, that was so cool. So anyways, I highly recommend this because uh, Jerry Ordway, he has amazing art. I love it. Um, I just, I, I like when I think of some characters, sometimes I think about the way he draws them. He did a great run on Superman. And there's other characters as well. So this is just a fun miniseries. It's a great world of revisit. Um, like I said, it's either five or six issues. I'm going to take a sneak peek here. And also six issues, yes. A little uh, interesting fact about the book. So, along with DeMeo and, and Bilson, the one the writer is one of the writers is Adam Brody, who is the actor. Uh, so, back in 2007, Adam Brody was dating uh, Rachel Bilson, who is the daughter of Paul Bilson. And Adam Brody and Rachel Bilson were both on the OC together. Okay, yeah, that I think that's the show that they were on together. So that it 
very in, in, in that's kind of cool in the OC. Adam Brody's character was uh, a very much a superhero fan, so it's very it's kind of interesting. That life imitates art. Yeah, life imitates exactly. life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I really love this miniseries, and it's kind of neat because right now I'm cheating and I'm looking at the last page. Uh, they left it open. I mean, that's a world we could revisit. So that's the beauty of you know independent comics. They tell you a story, and that's it. You get is to that, see that whole world. Is so, that the beauty or is that the curse? Because like I, I know it's you're not. <sighs> If it gets ended, yes. If it gets Kevin Smith, no. Exactly. Because like, that's where it has. Because like in your case, yeah, that's that's the tragedy. Because it's like... If it's not selling, they're not going to keep making yeah. them. Yeah. You know? But again, hopefully the writers will have a responsibility. The publishers actually will have a responsibility to make sure we get a conclusion. At the very least, give us a conclusion. Because mm-hmm. no. Because even then, we see that in, in our own superhero books. You know? Sometimes they just like... <laughs> peter out and mm-hmm. you're like what the heck so luckily this one they came in they did their story i know i'm i'm very certain they were like let's leave it open for a sequel <laughs> because you there's enough there where you can draw your own conclusion and you can see what happens mm-hmm. but there's also enough there that it it satisfies and it ends right you know so that's a big part of it so i you know if bilson and DeMeo don't mind i'll team up with them i'll take brody's place and we'll, we'll revisit the <laughs> eagle and we'll go after it uh, the next book I cheated, I brought two. This was a last minute add-on, but I gotta sell this book because I love this one. Um, Term Life. So this comes out of the image imprint shadow line. And I've never understood that. It's like, okay, you're already indie, but now we want to get indie indie. So it's like image shadow line. Like yeah, I've never was, understood that. Wasn't that the whole thing like with image is that each one of the creators had their own imprint? Cause like it wasn't it uh extreme? Skybound with the uh, Robert well, Kirkman. Robert Kirkman and, had yeah. a Skybound and uh So I guess Mark Silvestri has Top Cow. Right. And then um it was Wildstorm for uh Jim Lee. Yep. And Extreme. I want to say was Rob Riley film. Uh, I think so. I think you're right. What was Savage Dragon? Eric Larson's. I don't know what his was. Hmm, that's interesting. All right. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, so uh, this one hits us back in 2011. So AJ Lieberman. Um, I know I was. I, I I saw him. He was writing mainstream comics somewhere. For some reason, I'm linking him to Captain America, but I don't think that's right. But anyways, he was writing mainstream comics, and at the time, he was promoting his own book, Term Life. And he just had this picture that he put out there of the main character. And it's not like, I mean, it's not like he's this handsome, muscular guy. He's just a dude. He's sitting at a bus stop and cigarettes just hanging out of his mouth. His face is beat up. And I was like, shit, that feels like my Tuesday. <laughs> so I started following up on it. And, 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 he, and he wrote this original graphic novel. So as we call them, OGNs. So Nick Burrow, if Nick Burrow can stay alive for 21 days, he'll die happy. Term life. Right. So everyone Nick knows wants him dead. Mob bosses, contract killers, dirty cops. So performing the last act of a desperate man, Nick takes out a million-dollar insurance policy on himself, payable to his estranged daughter. The problem? The policy doesn't take effect for 21 days. And as bad as that is, it doesn't come close to the wrath of a 13-year-old girl meeting her father for the first time as he's forced to keep them both alive. 21 days? Nick knows if they do anything right and God himself did them a favor, they'll be lucky to be alive for 21 hours. So I just thought it was a neat, you know, like it, 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 it's that whole midnight run, meeting your daughter, your scumbag dad, because uh, Nick is just like, he's a planner. He's like, hey, right. here's how I write. Here's how I write heists. And he sells it. And then this one goes bad because the cops and the mafia are both crooked as hell. And we got to blame somebody. So we blame him. And he's like, well, I'm going to die. I'm better off dead. Hey, I'll put out a contract on myself, but you can't get it because it's term life policies. <laughs> I was just like, that is such a great foil. Then of course he gets found out. So he's got to rescue his daughter. They're on the run. 
and it was great. They did make the movie. Yes. Uh, what Vince Vaughn was the lead of. Vince Vaughn was in it, and Haley Steinfeld was his daughter. Uh, it was very indie, uh, so to speak, <laughs> indie, indie uh, premiere. You know, it, not a lot of people heard about it, and it didn't really get as much publicity as it should have. Because yes, you're right. That the storyline is is so unique and interesting. Uh, because this is not a guy that's trying to avoid ultimate death. Like he knows that he's going to die. He's just trying to stay alive long enough for the policy to kick yeah, in, so exactly. that his wife, so his daughter can get the money. <laughs> and it's so it's very interesting. And yeah, you, you take into account that this he's very, the character is very intelligent. Like I didn't read the the graphic novel. I've only seen the movie, and I've heard I've heard other stuff about it from you because you enjoyed the book so much. But like the 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 character is so intelligent that he plans out these heists and he sells the heists himself. He doesn't do them; he just sells the plans. Yep. So it's all up to whoever's the the you know the crew that's running it or whatever. But uh, it it just it puts into perspective how intelligent he is, and that's how he's able to keep himself alive for the twenty one days that he needs to. Yeah, so I just I thought it was neat. I just it, it had great character. It really had great character. I have yet to see the movie. I know that was on my big list to watch, and it just slipped through the cracks. What 2016? What was the movie? Was somewhere there? on there? Yeah. So that's what we'll have to do. You've seen the movie. I've read the book. We're gonna have to trade <laughs> off, and we'll, we'll compare and we'll, we'll come back and revisit this. But yeah, exactly. I just like that because you know that one, especially term life. That one's really neat because there are no capes. Right. You know, it's just. A guy in a situation, and it's like, you know, we all have that. And you're all sitting there. Sometimes you're in the bank, and you're like, here's how I would rob this. You know, I don't know. That's a me thing. But anyway, sometimes we think about that, and it's like, man. And then, and, you know what? You know? That's, that's a lot of the true indie books, I want to say, is that there's not a lot of cape stuff. It's a lot of yeah, it's everyday just, it's people. Us. It's and what, grounded people. What's the, the um, was it Criminal? Is that the yeah, Criminal's the latest one. Brubaker. Brubaker, yeah. Is doing, that's that's, a, that's not a, a cape book, but he obviously knows how to write capes. Yeah. Well, I think I think that one might be a little more supernatural if I remember. Oh, right. really? So yeah, he's he's delving in that. But again, he's giving us that nor. Because okay. okay, there we go. That's the yeah. word I like. Nor. That's what these books give us. The super heroics, they give us the glamour, the glitz, the spectacular, the spectacle. Indie books give us the nor sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, street-level stuff. And, of course, you know, if we're going to talk indie, I'm just going to throw this plug out there real quick. Read The Spirit. Yeah. He's a hell of a character. You're going to find some stuff in there. Uh, DC Comics did a complete collection, so you could pick up. And what I like about The Spirit is you could pick up any part of the archive series, and you could just read it. There's no real crazy backstory and continuity. And I don't know if this is considered. I have to. I, I I guess I only just consider everything that's not Marvel DC uh, to be indie. But if you get a chance and you want to read indie cape stuff, but it's very much um, poking fun at the tropes of of superhero comics, read Miller World. Like if oh. you like a lot of Mark Miller World stuff is. You know, this is what you know about Superman. Well, what if it wasn't that? You know, true. what if it was a little bit different? What if, uh, you know, uh, Nemesis? Nemesis is such a great book because it's what if Batman was a villain, like kind of thing. What w- what would cops have to do to take down Batman? And it, it, I I always thought that was a great book. So nice. Superior. Um, uh, what was the, oh wanted? You know, those are all. I, I think those are all great books. So, yeah, so I know. So I'm gonna throw one quick question at you. If we got something here, so Matt Wagner, he always did Mage, the hero defined, and it's like a little trilogy. So it's finally out there. I need to sit down. This is one of the ones I've been wanting to read. Is there an an, an like um an indie book that you want to read? Is there something on your read list? That I want to read? I mean, there's always stuff that I want to read. It's, I have such a backlog of just the big stuff that I haven't read. But, <laughs> you know, there there is definitely some, 
indie stuff that I've always been fascinated by. I can't think of it at the moment, but uh, yeah, there's all. I mean, I've always thought about like diving into some of the. Oh well, I, yeah, I've always thought about diving into some of the the Walking Dead stuff. But the one thing that I've always wanted to read, but I, and people tell me to read it all the time, and I just haven't done it, is Invincible. Like I know that's an image, and do you, I don't know if you want to consider it being it's indie, indie or not. No, it's definitely indie because yeah, that's that's the, uh, the, the 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 yeah, that's the Robert Kirkman. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's so, definitely indie. So I, I've always wanted to read. I know the 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 run has come to an end on that, and it's it's uh, it's contained in in itself. Yeah. And I know there's going to be a TV show pretty soon. Oh, yeah. TV show or movie? I can't remember which one. I think it's Seth and Seth Goldberg or Seth Goldberg, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg that are doing it. But I. I couldn't tell you anything more about it, but yeah, it's, it's another one that takes the tropes of Superman and it's like, Hey, it's, if this was a real thing, it'd be very dark. It's not all it's sunshine. Not all happy. And, yeah. Sunshine and, uh, S shields. Yeah. So, uh, sunshine Superman here. <laughs> so yeah. Indie comics. We'd love to hear you, uh, talk about the indie comics that you love. So get a hold of us. I'm on Twitter at, at Mitchipedia GEM. Uh, GEM standing for Geek Elite Media. And uh, Chris? I'm on Twitter. I was about to, I'm on Mitchipedia. I don't know. <laughs> I'm on Twitter as stuff I should say should being spelled S H U D. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Giss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.